the more things change, the more they say the same, right? I mean, how long has this industry been around? 12, 13 years? Um, are we any closer to really understanding what the right regulation is? Are we any closer to people thinking, well, okay, we've got real clarity around the future of this industry? And, and the biggest problem is because of that uncertainty, it's not worth the time and effort from the institutions that would actually give this industry way more credibility and force regulators to to actually come to the table. I think that's that's to me is the biggest problem. Welcome to the Breaking Chains Crypto Podcast. Every fortnight, we delve into the rumor mills, the developments, the industry news behind crypto, DeFi, Web3, and what makes the industry tick. From an insider's perspective on the true secrets and developments of what really makes a difference, how we're coming out of the crypto winter, and how the most exciting coins, tokens, and verticals to emerge from the industry will change the world. Stay tuned for more news from Breaking Chains. Hello and welcome to episode number five of Breaking Chains. Uh, Breaking Chains is the best crypto podcast, right? Uh, anyway, uh, moving on swiftly. So today we have Alex Shevchenko, the founder of Aurora. You know, Aurora is the layer two in the near ecosystem. They have a number of interesting technical innovations. Alex has been building in this space for a long time. He has a PhD in mathematics and physics, and you know he's a truly a rocket scientist. I mean, if you kind of look at the technology that Alex has been building, it's really, really cool. So today, hi, Alex. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for inviting. Long time no see, Ajit. Uh, no, great to see you again. So with me, I also have you know uh, our co-hosts, uh, Lucas and Riz. Hi, guys. Hey, Ajit. How are you, mate? Good to see you, Alex. Good. Lucas? You still hi, Ajit and Alex. Hey. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm living. Okay, in I thought you were watching a, um, a, a re-recording of the of, of the Gary Gensler show last from last night. Oh, I have that on repeat. Actually, um, can't can't complain. I do like a good Gary <laughs> Gary hour. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, you can actually um, you can really sort of dine out on his uh, MIT classes if you if you're really into listening to Gary. Um, interesting <laughs> chat. It was kind of cool that the man was shilling Algorand, right? I mean, and he has never used crypto. The most interesting part was the, that Gary has never touched, used any crypto in his life. I mean, uh, I mean, how how was he teaching? I mean, what sort of people do they hire at MIT to teach these days? We know that you know the argument that those that can do, those that can't teach, right? That's right. Oh well. So anyways, <laughs> we'll come back to that quickly. So Alex, uh, you know, I think this this show is about you and all the cool things you've been building. Most of all, you know, we never get enough of the regulatory stuff, but we'll come back to that. So so tell us more about yourself. Uh, tell our you know uh, listeners more about yourself and what you're building. Sure, um, I'm a techie. Um, uh, I I born uh, I I was born in Ukraine and then studied in Ukraine and, and Russia. Um, and uh, for my PhD in my academia career, I was uh, doing uh, large scale computations on on big uh, computers, actually multiple computers clusters. And then it was a pretty easy transition for me because uh, blockchain is a technology that is working on many different computers and is trying to solve uh, just a single problem of 
of establishing the trust layer. So back in 2015, I was coming to the blockchain industry and since then, um, uh, fully Im immersed in this and uh, uh, there is no, no stopping for me. This is like a drug that I take every day um, and uh, just continue <laughs> and continue. Yeah, you know, for, for a while, people have talked about crypto and drug dealers, but you turned engineering, sort of <laughs> blockchain engineering into your drug, which is a much better way to do it than exactly. anything else we've seen before. Anyway, yeah, so 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 you you you're from Ukraine and you know it's 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 been a very difficult environment in Ukraine. So so now you live in Lisbon? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I used to live in Ukraine. I was not having any plans to um, to move from from my home country. Uh, I was in many different places all over the world, and I wanted to stay in Ukraine. Um, uh, but unfortunately, uh, yeah, this this war and uh, all of the freaking situation is obviously uh, causing causing me to leave now outside of my country. I, did did you manage to um, just interrupt? Did you manage to do that Portuguese like visa thing? that they had going on where you could literally go and get yourself a Portuguese passport. I think they've closed it now, but that's actually quite cool. Uh, no, no, I'm I'm staying to, I'm staying in Portugal as a um, uh, as a temporary protection under the oh, temporary wow. protection regime. Yeah, so yeah, like I'm, I'm almost refugee. Yeah. Um, but uh, but uh, but I'm working. I'm able to pay taxes. I'm able to donate to to Ukraine army, uh, and uh, I, I do not need any support. Right. So. So that's the, okay. that's all good. Um, as long as it's it's okay to be a refugee in case you're a digital nomad, right? So, so that's <laughs> in fact you're not a refugee. Right. We are all refugees of the metaverse, Alex. So, but you have a fan, you have a fan, you know. So I've you know I've known you for a, I think at least a couple of years. So, and you have a you have a phenomenal story. Uh, I don't know how much you want to share, but. The way you uh, and we'll talk about your work, right? But the way you uh, sort of uh, found your way out of the the war zone in Ukraine and 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 made it to Lisbon, uh, that that's a phenomenal story. Uh, I don't know how much you want to share, but anything you can share would be great. Yeah, that's uh, that was a phenomenal story. Probably, probably we're going to to talk about this uh, over <laughs> over the next beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, okay, fine. So, you know, it's so Alex. Uh, yeah. So Ukraine, you know, is, is currently a war zone. It's quite unfortunate. And we hope Alex, you guys win, at least I do. And, uh, you know, this war ends soon. Uh, and, and it's quite unfortunate. It's a completely unnecessary war. But one thing that amazes me is about, you know, for, for years, what's amazed me is the quality of engineering talent in Ukraine. So there are so many good devs, uh, both inside and outside of crypto, right? So, so, you, uh, so, so uh, Ilya, you're the founder of Nier and someone you work very closely with is, is sort of an AI and blockchain guy. I mean, it's quite phenomenal. Very few people excel in two fields. What's the story there? Yeah, yeah, he is a phenomenal person, and uh, the first time when I, when I m m met him was um, well in school. We were schoolmates. Um, he was in the uh, just one year below me, and uh, we got lots of time on different Olympiads and tournaments and stuff like that. He was uh, more mostly inclined in the uh, in the computer science. I was mostly inclined in mathematics. Um, but yeah, so I know know him 
since since then. Uh, but later on, we've lost uh, our connection for some period of time during the the studying, uh, and then and then back in 2018, we reconnected again because Celia was just uh, messaging me and said, "Hey, uh, I just discovered that you are in uh, in blockchain, and I'm actually starting a, a blockchain startup. It's called Near." And I said, "Yeah, well, cool." So, so we reestablished that connection, and uh, uh, yeah, and since then, we have a very, very good relationship. I, I really value it. Okay, for our listeners, tell us, uh, you know, what Near Protocol is, what's uh, interesting and different about it, and and your role in the in in the ecosystem. So, Near Protocol is the third generation protocol, right? If if we're talking about the first as Bitcoin, the second as Ethereum, and the third. Uh, kind of another type of protocols that are focused on scalability, right? Uh, obviously, the, this, the second comment after uh, the Bitcoin white paper was, yeah, that's a cool tech, uh, but it seems like it's not scalable, right? So, so scalability, it, it took some years to get to this, to, the, to this problem and actually try to crack it down. And the approach that Nier is taking is, is a full parallelization of the execution uh, of the smart contracts, which means that the smart contract are executed asynchronously and because of this um, uh, the cross-contract calls are also asynchronous um, this is how the internet works and this is not how EVM is working or EVM compatible blockchains because everything is synchronous in these blockchains so uh, near was going for this innovation and uh, by the way it is usually called uh, as a sharding uh, approach and nowadays there are several additional uh, protocols that are trying to go this route uh, but but to my best knowledge, Nier was one of the first uh, who was uh, who was trying to do it and actually succeeded in this. At the moment, Nier, uh, on Nier, there are multiple shards uh, that are fully operational, and by the end of this year, uh, they are they are planning to to raise the number to 100. That is going to be more than enough for any type of applications uh, in the foreseeable future. So sharding so, was is sort of the meme that you know when Ethereum scaling or ETH 2.0 was announced a few years ago, then yeah. sharding was the big buzzword and we were waiting for Ethereum sharding to happen. Uh, what happened there and yeah. Yeah, so Ethereum Foundation changed uh, changed the path uh, there. And uh, instead of going for the sharding approach, uh, the decision was to go for the L2 approach, right? So to create these uh, roll-ups where you are able to, um, through the natural bridges, deposit uh, assets uh, and then execute transactions kind of off mainnet. Uh, but still, in case users are willing to uh, to exit it, uh, and they are not able to to get uh, to get their transaction executed on on the L2, they're still able in a slow pace uh, to to execute the transaction on the mainnet and then get out of this uh, of this L2. So, yeah, I think that these are just different approaches. Um, uh, there is nothing wrong with any of them. Um, it is ju- it is just about uh, uh, pros and cons, right? Um, um, yeah, my everywhere... memory of near is that you know if Ethereum. Uh, when the ETH roadmap was announced, if we had to write Ethereum from the ground up from the beginning and there was no existing code base or technical debt, then we would have kind of done it the way Near uh, ended up getting designed and built, right? Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's it's I would I I'm, I'm having the same kind of point of view on this. Um, I'm pretty aligned with this. 
Um, yeah, but uh, uh, obviously all of these ideas are pretty cool. Um, however, near ecosystem, uh, you know, a couple of years ago was was pretty pretty small, uh, and uh, even right now, in comparing with the Ethereum ecosystem, it's 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 re relatively small. There are tons of tools, uh, tons of developers, um, uh, Solidity developers, uh, and tons of uh, just uh, experience. Uh, uh, in inside of the, for example, auditing companies, uh, and they are able to work with Solidity code. So yeah, uh, so so there must be a way how to reutilize this uh, with the near technology, because it is going to be beneficial for both sides. For near, it means that it is going to be more adoption of the near uh, protocol, and for Ethereum community, uh, it just means that well, you are able to get this speed and f faster finality and low transaction costs. Um, for you, for 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 themselves, right? So, so it's kind of a natural thing, right? To create a compatibility solution that will allow all of the technologies that are developed within the Ethereum ecosystem to land on top of Near, and this is actually what Aurora is. I see. So, so Near essentially has a Rust VM, right? As in, if you want to write smart contracts, you write them in in sort of Near's version, and unlike in Ethereum, where you write them in Solidity, then, but uh, because, you know, most Ethereum came in first, so there are lots of developers who write code in Solidity and do uh, crypto application development in Solidity, which is a different language. You created your own, you, you know, so Near had some, it's been a slow pickup in the early days, so you created a way for developers to write, uh, use their existing code that they're currently deploying on Ethereum. Uh, to also be deployed on near using Aurora, which is your layer two solution for near, right? Okay, exactly. that's very cool. And uh, how is that going? Um, everything is more or less okay. Obviously, crypto winter is hitting us hard, uh, <laughs> like anyone else, right? So, um, but uh, currently on Aurora, uh, you are able to find uh, all of the category, all of the possible categories of the applications um, that you used to, uh, all of the different DeFi applications, uh, gaming, NFT landscape. Um, we have more than 250 applications up, up and running on Aurora. Um, uh, we have. Uh, uh, we are also the authors of the bridge in between the Ethereum and Near. It's called uh, uh, the Rainbow Bridge. This is one of the biggest bridges in the world, and uh, it has never been hacked. Um, so super, super happy that th this is this is the case because at some point in time. Uh, uh, around a year ago, uh, it was uh, hosting somewhere around one and a half billion of highly liquid assets, uh, including stable coins, ETH, and, and BTC. So yeah, that was a pretty scary moment in time. But uh, yeah, uh, but yeah so, we're living through this. So so so, so uh, I think Lucas, you wanna? There was a. Uh, I think we were you know before the show we were just talking about. Uh, all the interesting things that have happened. So you, you know, making your way out of Ukraine to Lisbon was a story, but <laughs> we should, we should, we should do a separate show for that. It's maybe on television. That's, that's uh, a journey yeah. itself, isn't it? That is a journey. You know, you sit there and you think about it, and you go, wow, you know, yeah. you know, we think life yeah. is is quite simple and then you, you, you come across these hardships in life. But I think that it's always one of those things that you learn so much about yourself in in in, in these situations and and your ability to you know um move 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 yourself put yourself in safety and 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 carry on is 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 an impressive outcome so i mean that's uh that's uh, it's quite it's quite interesting to hear that um 
and and it must be really hard, right? Because obviously you've got a lot of work to do and, and development, etc. But at the same time, you know, you've also got other needs, and you know, how do you how do you manage that that kind of that stress? Because I, I can I can only imagine it, it. You must have a lot of friends and you know relatives, etc., who aren't able to leave or aren't able to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my my fam- my parents are are there in Ukraine, and uh, the parents of my uh, of my wife are there in Ukraine. Uh, there are though for them there are different ways how they are able to to get out and uh, it's uh, it's completely legal unfortunately my my parents are pretty old right? so so, uh, so there, there are no kind of restrictions on on, uh, on their movement uh, uh, imposed from the government uh, but uh, but there are other restrictions and uh, uh, my grandma is alive uh, and uh, Unfortunately, after after the invasion of Russia, she got two strokes, and uh, and doctors just say that they she's not able to uh, we are not able to transport her, and that's why uh, this is one of the main reasons why uh, why my parents are staying in Ukraine, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and that's uh, and you, you, like you, you cannot do anything with this. This is like uh, this is the like like the end of the road, right? You can tr- you, yeah. you you can do whatever you want to do. You can you can hire uh, high, high professionals uh, for extraction. Uh, you are able to you know get private jets uh, from from the closest airdrome or uh, from the closest you know airport for, uh, to to Ukraine and and deliver her on any good. Uh, with with uh, the best possible conditions to any point in the world, but uh, but it is not going to work because she is very close to the ground. She she has lots of history or lots of roots there, and uh, and the city case we're going to exe- execute this thing. Then um, it is unfortunately going to be the execution of my grandma. That's why they are staying there. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I think the only thing you can really do in these situations, obviously, is is obviously try and send aid or whatever but you know also burying yourself in your work and take your mind off it and you know it's sometimes under these most stressful conditions you can do your your, your best work as well because you're you're you're, you're so focused and, and 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 obviously motivated um, that's true so, yeah. that's true i, I know the I know. positive side is when you live through that then the crypto winter doesn't bother you right it's kind of small things whereas on oh, twitter yeah i mean crypto- losing money on nfts yeah, absolutely. Well, crypto winter does does not bother bother me uh, at all because uh, I'm 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 in here for for the technology. And again, I've yeah. seen multiple crypto winters uh, already, so that's okay. But in terms of uh, in terms of the focus on work, uh, as any Ukrainian, uh, I'm 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 pretty focused on on making sure that I. I'm able to donate uh, uh, as much as possible uh, to uh, to all of the military and humanitarian needs, and uh, this is this is my this is my routine. Every day I wake up, I'm checking on uh, on the bombings. I'm checking on uh, on the places where uh, well my close friends and relatives are living, uh, whether everything is okay. Checking on a couple of times during the day on on the news, and then uh, like once a week, I'm writing to to the people through whom I'm actually. Uh, doing the donations and uh, because they are working directly with the Ukrainian army and uh, they are delivering uh, goods uh, uh, on the front lines. So, so this is this is my way how how I'm doing this and yeah and they are just saying okay we need to, we need to buy a drone uh, we need to dr- uh, to buy uh, med kits uh, we need to buy you know how I I this year was the year for me to learn so many terms and so many things that I 
I thought that uh, I, I would never know, but, but now I know all of this. Uh, Mavics and you know tourniquets oh and you know all of this stuff. <laughs> so that's, uh, but yeah, I mean that's uh, that's it. And uh, and I know that in case I'm working good, then I can earn more money and then I can donate more. Uh, so to so the we, need, we, need, we need to bring you the bull market, and you know I think just give it for <laughs> two years. I think Jerome Powell, the the Fed chair, is working on it. Will make the minimum. RJ, I thought you were working on it. I mean, come on, you've been promising me no, the no, bull no, market no. for as long as I've known you. I think you were you were, you were the king <laughs> of the bull market. <laughs> Actually, I'm a survivor of the bear market, but I'm not quite like Alex, right? I'm a, Alex. I'm a fan. You're a fighter and a builder. You know, very few people are both. I think uh, it's it's quite remarkable. So, but speaking of scary moments, Aurora, right? You guys had a very interesting Rainbow Bridge incident. Tell us more about it. What happened? Uh, what's the story? Rainbow Bridge is a fully trustless and permissionless bridge, which means that uh, anyone is able. So everything is working according to the logic in the smart contracts encoded in the smart contracts. All of the money are hold in the smart contracts. It is not, uh, you know, it's kind of multi six and stuff like that, which means that anyone and this is on chain. It's, it's, it's up there 24 seven. And it means that uh, anyone is able to try to attack it and try to find the um, uh, the problems there. And uh, already multiple times uh, people have been trying to attack the rainbow bridge and uh, and all the times they were uh, um, they were kind of defeated uh, and uh, to the robustness of the solution um, uh, around uh, one year ago almost exactly one year ago I, I remember it it was happening on the labor day the first of May uh, the attacker was trying to uh, to attack the rainbow bridge and, and steal the funds uh, he was trying to um, uh, to deliver to the bridge the incorrect block, but then it was uh, it was challenged within uh, within literally uh, the same block, um, and then it was uh, and this transaction was actually front run. So the way how we are establishing the um, establishing the protection there is that we are heavily using MEV bots uh, to execute the transactions, right? So because MEV bots are the most efficient things that uh, the most efficient. Pro um, kind of actors in the in the market uh, on the execution of the transactions they know how to execute transactions the best and in case you need to stop the attack um, on chain then there is no better ally to you than than the mv bots so the protection is uh, is uh, is working like that and because we do have um um, an additional uh, cost for the participation in the bridge, right? So in case, uh, literally, in case you, you would like to try to hack a bridge, you need to stake five ether, and then in case we detect that that you're trying to hack the bridge, indeed, uh, well, you you're losing the stake, and and for the next try, you need to stake more, um, and uh, because of this, you know, hacker hacker was losing this money, and uh, uh, the system has uh, system for mitigation of the attack was working perfectly, uh, fully automatic. automatic. Uh, a couple of times after that, uh, people were trying to attack the bridge uh, again and again, and they were not able to do. Thanks for taking us through that, Alex. Um, can, you, can you talk us through the uh, white hack uh, bug bounty payout from uh, Immunify? I think that's something that flags up on, like, on our side where we deploy capital in DeFi. 
Um, exactly. Can you talk us through like that process from internal at Aurora? Like, what did the war room look like? What was that process? I think it'd be super interesting for the audience to hear from the develop- sure. developer perspective on the on the other side of this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, security is a multi-layer cake, right? So you you start with the secure secure development uh, software development lifecycle. You do internal reviews. You hire uh, um, auditing companies to um, to audit the codes and do the the, the, the they're using different tools to to test it and so on. In case that this, this is Rust contracts, then Clippy is used, for example. Um, and uh, but usually it is not enough. Uh, we have been working with probably eighty percent of the auditing companies in the industry, and I can tell you with the highest confidence that even the companies that are treated as tier one that are able to put prices uh, uh, above market uh, that get, can ask for uh, you know, 300,000 per audit, 400,000 per audit, they are losing bugs. Uh, uh, it, it happened with, 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 with us multiple times, right? Sometimes these bugs were discovered by others. Sometimes these bugs were discovered by us. Uh, but uh, people are just people. The only uh, no, nobody nobody is giving you insurance. No no auditing company is giving you insurance. The only way how you are able to uh, uh, to protect yourself is to create a bug bounty. So the the hackers are able to submit um, submit uh, the claim, and then uh, and then uh, disclose the information about the hack, and then you need to do the payout. This is a much much better thing uh, uh, for the both sides, right? The hacker would be able to to tell to 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 the girls on the cocktail party that he he hacked the bridge but uh, he was so generous uh, that actually he was disclosing uh, to the owners of the bridge and then everything is great uh, no 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 money lost and and he got a, a juicy payout and it is also good for the owners of the bridge uh, because then you do not need to deal with uh, you know 300 million or 400 million or almost 700 million um, uh, problem right so uh, yeah and uh, there was a bug bounty uh, submitted to the rainbow bridge um, around 10 months ago or something like that or maybe uh, 9 months ago uh, and uh, this bug bounty was uh, so the the white hat hacker was saying that uh, this this is a critical vulnerability um, and here is how it is working so he was very very strict direct following all of our guidelines on how to how to do how to do this uh, uh, within probably 20 minutes the the war room was uh, was composed um, uh, and it was a head of security there, obviously engineers uh, of the bridge and uh, uh, just other very uh, senior engineers from Aurora. Myself, also being a technical guy, the CTO. Um, uh, we have been sitting there and looking at this and uh, uh, and we were asking uh, the, the engineers to actually verify this because the idea is there, okay, we understood the idea and now we need to understand how to, whether it is actually possible. And uh, we've secretly deployed a separate bridge on the local instance of Aurora um, uh, within the next half an hour and then tried to exploit this vulnerability. And we figured out that in fact, it, it is a vulnerability and uh, and the contracts are, um, are exposed. So, 
after after this one hour, we fully understood that uh, this, is a, this is this is a proper thing, and uh, um, and back then we we did a technical uh, uh, the security council of the uh, of the bridge we notified it and uh, they did a technical pause of the bridge. Uh, and then within the next couple of days, we developed a patch, a patch, and then the bridge was upgraded and uh, and unpaused, and everything was good. And then over some period of time, uh, we needed to talk with the uh, with the hacker because uh, the the size of the uh, the size of the bug bounty was the second largest in the world. Uh, and this this was we needed to pay him out six million US dollars. So that's that's a pretty sizable amount. And uh, in order to do this, uh, uh, we need to do the KYC. So, so this this pros process was um, taking a little bit of time. Um, uh, obviously, uh, we uh, I'm not going to disclose his uh, his personality, right, and all this stuff. But he he, he does have a Twitter account. Uh, you're able to find him. Since then, since Aurora Aurora. Um, uh, Aurora bug was, uh, or, or Rainbow Bridge bug was the first one for him, uh, but he went uh, kind of all in into into improving the security of all of the protocols. So he got uh, several uh, million uh, out of other bug bounties, and uh, he's uh, quite a successful, um, quite a successful uh, white hat hacker. Um, yeah, I'm very. Uh, I, I'm extremely grateful that uh, that this person was executing uh, the uh, this way of of behavior. Um, I think it is responsible. I think it is a proper way to do it. Um, and uh, uh, the bug bounty program here worked uh, absolutely the way it was intended to work. Uh, yes, we needed to pay out six million. Uh, but it would be much worse in case in case uh, a person who was able to see the vulnerability and uh, was not having a, a way to uh, to disclose this vulnerability, he would just hack the bridge and and stay with uh, half a billion of funds, and then he needed to um, uh, you know to to do to go to the mixers and stuff like that. So that that is going to be bad for him, and uh, this would be bad obviously for us. So I'm absolutely happy that this protection measure, additional layer of security worked uh, as intended. Yeah. So, you know, bridges have been, uh, well, there's lots of horror stories, but you guys have run a very secure bridge for, for a while. Uh, and and it's, uh, I think you were the first to build an optimistic bridge, right? Which is kind of like if uh, you, what's an optimistic bridge and, uh, you know, without being too technical. <clears throat> yeah. So, so yeah. one of the directions of, uh, of transfer is from, from near to, or near and or Aurora to Ethereum. And within this transfers, unfortunately, we're not able to check all of the uh, all of the consensus uh, consensus on the near side inside of the Ethereum, uh, it just because it is going to be expensive, and uh, we actually would not be able to fit um, fit these checks inside of the Ethereum blockchain. So instead of checking the whole consensus, uh, what is happening is that we are checking the main parts, but some pieces are uh, believed to be correct. So it is optimistically believed to be correct. And then the bridge, once once this information is submitted, uh, then the bridge needs to wait some certain certain time. Currently, it is four hours, uh, so anyone is able to challenge uh, that that belief that uh, hey, you please actually check this thing, right? 
Uh, and uh, uh, in case something wrong is there, then then there is a rollback from this information that is happening. Uh, that's the approach um, uh, for the optimistic bridges. Alex, I think this is the best advertisement for immunified bug bounties I've ever heard anyway. So thank you for speaking to that so eloquently. I think that's um, it's a really strong takeaway point that we need to, these kind of safeguards is next to impossible to avoid all the risks that we have when we're deploying immutable contracts and the utilizing uh, the community of developers to offset the risk is extremely important and Immunify has done a great job and uh, I know, like code, uh, code for Arena is another one that if people are interested in getting started in um, seizing, I guess, that opportunity that Alex just spoke of, uh, there's two great resources to pursue and learn more about how you can contribute to the, the development of Web3 and the security. So thank you for taking us through that, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, there are more um, platforms right now for for bug bounty, uh, which is which is good. And from the other and one additional thing that I wanted to add, there is one additional layer to, layer of security that I would like to to have um, as, uh, as 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 the maintainer of the bridge, uh, and this is the insurance on the on the funds. Um, uh, and I would love. Uh, the uh, auditing companies to transform in the uh, in the setup when uh, they do have retainer contracts and they are taking care of everything uh, on the security side. So they do the checks. They are able to impose some security practices on the teams. And in case they have missed something, then it is them who is uh, who is returning the money back. Uh, unfortunately, ordinary insurance companies they are not able to uh, to cover you know billions, and uh, uh, and yeah, there is just no way how to insure the bridge with ordinary companies, and also they don't understand yeah. the code, and that's why their risk score is extremely high. So it costs tons of money. Yeah, I mean, see, see, insurance is a different ballgame, right? In the sense that you you can insure things that are on the bell curve, you know, but. If you have, if you're insuring catastrophic loss, I mean, and if there are only five of those or twenty-five of those, then the yeah the actual tables or then you end up losing suddenly losing everything, right? <clears throat> so insurance is is a hard problem for something that doesn't fit in a in a, in a bell curve. Uh, anyways, uh, so so so, uh, so so auditors, right? I used to work for an audit company called Pricewaterhouse Coopers, big guys, absolute brilliant company, but. It's a racket, right? So in the sense oh, that- Sorry, uh, Ajit, I'm sorry. I thought we agreed you would never mention that in public. <laughs> no, no. You have to, you have, everyone has to work for IBM. Reece, 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 we've got to shut this, stop this. I have a blanket policy never to work with, with auditors. <laughs> I've probably worked yeah, for Peloton. So why do we need so many auditors <laughs> in crypto? It's, it's a little bit crazy, right? But, I mean, this technology, it was supposed to be code as law. But now we need every crypto team has like three or four, five, 25, depending on how much trouble you are in lawyers and very expensive lawyers. You know, it's a bull market in lawyers and everyone has auditors. So lawyers, I mean, the only, and, and we, and, and the coins go down and we start praying. So, so nothing has really changed. We have lawyers, auditors and priests. So, I mean, uh, and, and Alex, you, and you and Ilya are like these AI gurus and whatnot mathematicians you guys should invent some chat gpt for auditing or something anyways moving on from this rant very quickly uh so uh, so so what are the sort of things you're building 
these days, Alex, what's keeping you excited in crypto? Because it's, as you said, it's crypto winter, you know, the DeFi TVLs and NFT volumes, they're all kind of, I mean, the only thing that's going up is either Bitcoin because, you know, uh, Balaji says banks will fail. So that's Bitcoin starts going up. It starts going up because, you know, uh, oh, wait, Chappella went correctly and, you know, nothing went wrong with it. Uh, and Gary thinks it's not a security or Gary doesn't want to say it's a security. So it goes up. Then the only other thing that goes up is Wojak, which is a meme coin or Pepe, which went up a thousand X last night. Right. So Riz, uh, Lucas, do you have anything to say about the meme coins that, that are happening? Oh, I, I love a good meme coin. RJ. All I, around think, us. I, think just, I think the, you know, we, I, I tell you a really funny story, right? Um, so there's a class at, at the University of Chicago on on in the Masters in Financial Mathematics program that's fit alongside the one that Reese and I teach, or we guest lecture on in in algorithmic uh, applied algorithmic trading. But it's it's on cryptocurrencies, and what's really interesting is they have to apply kind of machine learning regression uh, uh, models uh, to find moments in coins. And obviously with Bitcoin and Ethereum, that they, they trade in such a way that you can find moments, you can apply, you can apply quad models to them and trade them uh really well. Right. You can you can really look look for the moments or the uh the trends there and, and, and build models around them. With meme coins, it's really hard because ultimately it's just uh you know, they, they just rally really hard one day and then they sell off really hard another day. And you you're you're chasing you're kind of chasing shadows and it didn't matter which meme coin we looked at. We couldn't find any, any, any regression tools we could apply to them that would allow us to, you know, build an active trading model around meme coins. And ultimately what you end up doing is following, you know, discord channels and telegram channels and, and whatnot to find out who is, who's, who's pumping or who's, who's shilling this coin and whether they have any kind of influence and, and, and get yourself on, on that. And it's kind of the only model you can have. So, you know, with meme coins, it, it, it's quite interesting that we see this so much, um, especially, yeah. you know, you know, people say, Oh, I saw it on Twitter, but Twitter is actually kind of, you know, the, um, the, 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 the place where, where it kind of, it's the outcome after it's all happened. Right. I mean, you, you need to be, if you want to be on, 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 on the leading edge of when the move is going to happen. You need to be in the right channels. Uh, with the right, this is the most midbrain. It's true. Twitter is the Kramer index of crypto. That's true. By the time it's on Twitter, it's already late, right? So it's done. This is the most, but it's the most midbrain explanation of a meme coin I've heard. You know, when I see a cute dog, I just buy. When I see, you know, like bunk, when I see like a frog, a cute frog, I buy, right? I mean, it's so I'm kind of on the left tail side of that, you know, bell curve. Uh, mostly it hasn't worked because you know then I forget to sell. Because <laughs> so, so you're, so you're, you're following the Twitter show, that's why you're, you're the exit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can actually short everything I trade and get very rich doing that. So well, that's uh, what we've on. been doing, Ajit. Sorry, didn't you know? Yeah, but, exactly but we're not supposed to talk doing. about coins. You know, we're not supposed to talk about coins because, anyways. So, so Alex, so which are your favorite memes? When, why, when are we going to see any dank memes come out of Aurora? Uh, well, have you guys been some, making any cute memes? Yeah, there are some meme uh, meme coin um, on on Aurora. There is a community that is, that is trying to do this. Um, uh, I don't know. Like I'm just not into it. I'm more into the technology. For me, it is more important to yes. to solve the the actual technical problems and uh, 
coming back to the question that you asked uh, uh, before the meme coins, uh, uh, it was about uh, what what are we building right now and what are, what are uh-huh. the, the current that's things. That's right. That's right. So no Aurora Inu. You're building something more serious. <laughs> Tell us more. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so, so the idea was uh, was pretty simple, and uh, of of the thing that I'm going to talk through talk you through uh, right now, and uh, this is something that we were thinking of from the very very beginning of the Aurora project, and the idea is the following: um, the EVM itself is fundamentally uh, synchronous. Uh, it means that the transactions must be executed one by one. You cannot parallelize the execution of the transactions, and what it means it means that uh, there should be something that is actually sequencing the transactions and you know making sure that the execution is happening and uh, it means that there is always a limit to how much things can be executed within the EVM and the current theoretical limit to this uh, just in order to uh, limit the um, the checks of the signatures, right, on the transactions, not even the execution of the transactions, but just only checks of the signatures. Uh, the limit there is around sixty thousand uh, uh, transactions uh, per second, right? That's you're not able to go above this. And when, if we are going to add up here the um, the cost of the uh, the 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 biggest uh, the next biggest. Uh, um, uh, bottleneck, and, and this is the access to the storage. Uh, it, it is going to drop uh, drastically to you know several thousands of transactions per second. So this is the theoretical limit. Anyone who is saying to you that they have an EVM compatible solution that has uh, ten thousand or fifty thousand or million tra- million transactions per second, uh, they're just lying in your face. Now. But what we can do with this stuff, right? We need to scale. How to scale this thing? Well, the answer is that, well, you can scale only in case you have many EVMs, right? And uh, and we have Nier who is capable of scaling in the async model, right? So you can kind of have many EVMs there. And that's why we've developed Aurora as a smart contract on top of Nier. And we've put, this is one of the most complicated smart contracts in the world because this smart contracts fully uh, has inside of it the the full EVM implementation, right? So, um, and the cool thing about it is that since it is a smart contract, well, you can deploy once again and once again and once again, you can deploy many of these. Because of near, it is going to horizontally scale. The execution on these uh, chains or L2s uh, is going to be a a a sync they they can be it can happen in parallel but the cool thing about this approach is that in between them they are able to talk uh and they are able to to tap into the liquidity or tap into the data that is stored on the other chain um this idea was from the very beginning and now finally we uh we kind of revealed it after going through the process of integrating all of the tools for just one smart contract and making sure that one smart contract is working it is robust and all all the uh all the infrastructure around is working good now this product is called aurora cloud um, and uh, you're able to find it uh, on aurora cloud.dev um uh, somewhat to the people who are inside of the crypto but they have not yet heard of uh, of our cloud but heard of many other different things it is somewhat similar to avalanche's subnet uh, or polkadot uh, parachains or cosmos ecosystem right yeah the biggest the biggest difference 
uh, there is in the ability to interconnect uh, all of the data and all of the liquidity in between these chains. So I that's see, what yeah. we are working right now. Very interesting. So I think it's it's quite interesting how you know uh, Avalanche and some of the L2s and you guys sort of are coalescing around this uh, you know app chain type of model and then essentially allowing them to bridge and uh, share messaging, liquidity, all that stuff. And uh, so it's a bit of a I don't know whether mesh architecture is the right word because I don't want to invent another meme. Uh, that's something I do well. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's even ETH. Yeah, ETH sharding was a meme. I don't think anyone ever shipped any sharding in Ethereum, but it was a great meme and gave people a lot of comfort that sharding will come one day. And, and they kind of helped, right? So ETH, ETH is great at creating memes. So for as long as I've been around, sharding was a phenomenal meme. Uh, this ultrasound money is a meme. Uh, you know, And they, they do a lot of technical memes. They as in we, right? I'm, I'm an old-timer ETH guy. So so it's a, so then we had memes like, uh, you know, KZG, we can turn like hardcore technical terms into memes the dank sharding is a meme you know uh, so, proto, proto dank i think alex Slurge what you might be missing right is is the ability to turn like hard tech into memes i think that's something it does brilliantly you know it's like oh man zk right so ai zk everything is a meme uh, and you gotta meme the hell out of it but anyways uh so yeah uh so so news uh, let's segue let's segue to the news, Alex has been, you know, and we'd love to hear your thoughts as well, right? To the extent that your uh, PR and legal folks will allow you to comment on this stuff. Uh, so Gary Gensler, uh, the, the SEC chair was, uh, uh, you know, on the House, uh, was that the House Banking Committee last night? And and that didn't, that that was an interesting hearing. Lucas and Riss, what do you think about that? How did that go? I, I think it's, it, it's, it's really interesting from uh from from uh, several perspectives, I think the one perspective is if one if someone tells you who they are or what they want to do, you should believe them. And when it comes to Gary Gensler, I think his his goal has been to have complete um, autonomy around the regulation of crypto and not have to worry about what anyone else thinks. I mean, it's kind of like a, a kind of a, a megalomaniacal approach to regulation. Um, and I, I believe he feels it should he should be the global regulator too. I mean, I'm I'm speculating here, but I think for me, I've always um found the SEC to be completely reactive. I don't think they've really worked on a strategy. Uh they're kind of it's they're playing basically whack-a-mole. And and for me, I don't think that's helpful to the industry. I don't think it's um it's helpful to any innovators or any builders out there. So, um, but the, and I think the, the funniest, uh, the funniest thing about last night's hearing was when you know Gary Gensler, um, Chair Gensler, said that he has not really used crypto, even though he has taught blockchain at uh, MIT. What's what's about that? Well, it's because of those that can do and those that can't teach, right? I mean, it's that simple. Oh, I mean, let's 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 be let's be realistic here. I mean. Um, and if you also can't do either run a podcast, right? If you can't do anything, exactly. Oh, podcast. Well, <laughs> and those who can't do that, those who can't do that are the sound engineers. Is that really Alex, do you have any people like who are working in crypto and they say nice things about Web3 but have never used uh, Aurora? Or, I mean, do you, do you ever see those people? 
No, no. Actually, okay. I, I I've seen only the people. Even you know, even my father. He though we were having extensive conversations about about crypto and how the blockchain how works and he? stuff like that. How old is he? How old is he? Um, he's sixty five. Okay. He still okay. believes that this is all freaking Ponzi, right? And that I need to get my salary <laughs> in US dollars. <laughs> so he could run the SEC, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Okay, well, well, he agrees with Yellen and Mr. So anyway, <laughs> we need to we need to build something for him to to kind of convince him otherwise. Uh, so, so the other thing that you know got my attention last night was it was like a bit of a theater. You know, a lot of the, it was like a public whipping and I, I think a lot of uh, points were made to kind of appease to the crypto gallery and a lot of people were very bullish about the hearing, but it's it felt like a drama. I mean, Wes Lucas, do you think it, there is some meat in that uh, theater or is anything going to change? As a result of last night? I think, I think, I think, I think the more things change, the more they say the same, right? I mean, ultimately we, we, we live I mean, how long has this industry been around? 12, 13 years? Um, are we any closer to really understanding what the right regulation is? Are we any closer to people thinking, well, okay, we've got real clarity around the future of this industry? Um, I was with uh, a very large tier one financial institution last week. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they're clueless. They have absolutely no idea. I mean, when I say tier one, I mean the highest tier one you can get, right? I mean, literally talking with these guys and they're like, we just have no idea. Every time we think we're, we're, we're going to do something, then we go, no, we can't do that. And and the biggest problem is because of that uncertainty, it's not worth the time and effort from the institutions that would actually give this industry way more credibility and force regulators to to actually come to the table. I think that's, that's to me, is the biggest problem. We just don't have the real... Um, regulatory desire to actually get things done yeah I, uh, my, I think, my personal yeah. point of view is that we are yes. in in the middle of um, of a revolution right uh, on the um, on, on the on the science side uh, this is something that was happening exactly 100 years ago when people started to think about quantum mechanics and quantum you know all of these effects and and nowadays we are using it uh, all over the world right uh, everywhere we are using it right now uh, in in the microchips of uh, of our uh, of our devices that we are we are running this podcast on on. So, so, and and we are in the middle of of this revolution that starts to happen, and and the core piece of it is that people need to change the way how they are thinking about stuff. So for quantum mechanics, people used to think about particles and their velocities, right? And for quantum for quantum particles, it doesn't mean anything. You cannot measure the, the, the position and the velocity. You need to think about probability of a particle uh, being in this point or in, or in this region uh, of the space, right? And here with blockchain and AI, you need to absolutely rethink uh, the the approaches how you are actually doing the legislation well you cannot you cannot block bitcoin because it is decentralized it's not a website it is not running on a on a server right and that's why it needs to have some kind of other ways um, of uh, of regulations and absolutely the same with ai right ai can 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 say something but what does it mean is this like offensive who's who's responsible for this is this the is this the the 
developer who has written these, you know, 180 lines of Python code that has nothing about offensive, kind of, kind of mm -hmm. doing any offense but, but, to anyone. But, so, so, so can ChatGPT launch a token? Because I think one of the things that uh, Chair Gensler said is that AI will have a, you know, very big positive impact and it's very, very important technology and crypto is not. So, I mean, I was wondering if, you know, we can combine the two and ChatGPT can launch a token. Yeah, absolutely. As, as soon as we're getting a little bit closer to AGI uh, with auto GPT and, you know, things uh, that, are, that are closer to this, well, this, this, technolo this technology is able to do many, many different things. And in case at some point it, it is going to decide to launch its own token, like, oh, why not? Then, then we can take it to court, right? <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> and then kick it out of the United States. Uh, yeah. so, so oh, Alex, yeah, absolutely. Slight, slight detour. You, you guys are doing some stuff with AI and 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 crypto, right? So because uh, so what's going on? What are the big ideas there? So um, the big ideas. This is this is gonna the AI. There, there are some AI initiatives that are happening in near in the wider near ecosystem, uh, and these ideas are around a very simple fact. Uh, uh, AI at the moment is extremely fenced, right? Um, and by saying fenced, I mean that. You need to have lots of computational power, especially GPUs that's now free after after the merge, um, in order to educate your uh, your models. Yeah, um, yeah. And only big companies, so been, big corporations, been dumping GPUs. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, so only big corporations are able to get. Uh, to get to the results that ChatGPT is, is showing to you, you literally need to invest, you know, tens of millions into into the education of the model. And the models are extremely simple. Uh, as I said to you, it's like like 200, 300 lines of code, Python code, super super simple. Um, so, uh, uh, which means that there are there are these models. Then, uh, yeah, and then there is another thing, and this is the data. So. Uh, so the data, uh, the ordinary data as we know it, uh, is not is not very useful already. Um, it is not enough for for the uh, for the models to educate on the ordinary data. What is required is labeled data or um, kind of enhanced or augmented data, where uh, there are multiple sources of information that are describing the same thing, like an image with uh, with a dis the text description what is on this image and in in these particular uh, spots of interest so this augmented data can be, cannot be produced uh, by by the algorithms because uh, this augmentation is going to uh, to bear the same problems of the of non-augmented algorithms and the only way how you are able to do this is through just tons of people who are actually augmenting this data so there is a market for this and then in case people are working for this then it means that they need to be renumerated and then everything should be should be used and uh, every just just augmenting one single picture it seems that it's going to cost something like around a couple of cents you're not able to to send it to the bank card and how we can do it hmm, surprise surprise through the blockchain right um you can drop a little bit uh, and since the cost of the transactions on on some of the blockchain is really really cheap like on near when it is around one cent well then maybe it can be it can be viable so combining the ideas of providing the access to the compute for anyone who is a, who is willing to to buy it and not investing into the infrastructure with the idea of an open market for augmenting data and with the idea then 
for the open market for using the educated next level models well this is something uh, this is something that looks like a democratic ai um, approach and uh, um, mm -hmm. and this project is something something that uh, that some that's some pretty cool that's why I, that's why alex i'm a fan you got, you're able to explain some really deep shit in, in 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 some very simple ways so thank you for that now the other thing that has happened last week is that bitrex got sued by the sec and uh, they were already leaving the us what's going on with atris yeah, I think we're seeing the uh, the heavy hand of Gensler. I'm going to refer to it as from now on, uh, starting to flow through a bit more. I think he jumped on Twitter and uh, pumped out a post off the back of it too, which was met with some fierce uh, commentary um, in the from the reply guys. Um, but yeah, it's um, following in Arthur's shoes, I suppose. We're going down this pathway with Bitrex. Um, and that regulatory yeah. crackdown. Obviously, we saw the expansion of that during... Um, that hearing last night, and I think like further to your point there, um, Ajit, I think it's really honestly like Gary Gensler has a mandate here uh, from the administration and it's not super crypto friendly. And we're seeing it play no. out through a number of different avenues, right? And I honestly, I'm not sure whether he individually is like maliciously going after um, these exchanges or these uh, these protocols, tokens, etc., or whether it's just literally part of the mandate from the administration. Yeah. So, so, so one of the funny things about Bitrex, right? And I was always looking for jokes. Is that uh, there was an article? Sorry, there was a message or uh, an email from the founder of Bitrex saying that there's this whole policy of problematic statement cleanup where they essentially help ICOs. You know, Bitrex helped ICOs clean up their uh, like descriptions, websites, and all that to remove any references to things that might indicate uh, that the token is an investment. And they actually sent emails around <laughs> about problematic statement cleanups. So I was wondering if you know we all have to sort of do a problematic statement cleanup on our Twitter accounts because <laughs> so, 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 so you know that's similar to how CZ's chief compliance officer had sent a message saying that you know when we. Uh, you know, this is probably not right, but we close two eyes. So I think crypto industry sometimes doesn't do itself a lot of favors because, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are very young. They've never really worked in TradFi, don't have a, much experience around compliance and risk management. So all the boomer stuff, right? So as the industry gets a bit more organized and regulated, I think some of the older folks, you know, will be back in fashion. That's great for me because I'm, you know, just I'm a little bit north of 40. So I don't know, Alex, about you. You look pretty young. Uh, Lucas and Riss are obviously, you know, much younger. So, I mean, they sound like it. So, so anyway, so, so, yeah, so Bitrex, you know, I think, uh, uh, yeah, so that, that, that was funny. Uh, so maybe we, uh, and then I think the meme coins uh, are interesting. Uh, anything else happened last in the last seven days? Uh, anything that got your attention, I think Alex? The, I think the Apple thing is probably the a very interesting move with their dropping their uh, savings card. What happened? Yeah. There? Well, I think that, I think that was just that. I think that was always the next step, right? If you take from Apple Pay to uh, Apple Credit Card, right, and then you have okay. Well, once you've got a credit card, um, you've got the credit risk of the individual. But if you've got the savings account linked to the the credit card, you reduce your credit risk, but you also get you know, a lot of cash coming. They did that. With Is Goldman that like Sachs, a crypto right? credit card or uh, or a general? No, it's just a general uh, savings. No, we don't I can't remember fiat stuff. You know, we don't believe in fiat. So because fiat is going to zero, right? And Bitcoin is going to one million. It's like forty-five days left now. 
I'm on 32 days. But yeah, Reese didn't Alexander. get a tattoo, which I, I think Reese got a tattoo, which is obviously quite more interesting than the Apple Apple Pay. Is it a Luna tattoo or a Bitcoin tattoo? No, I had it to get the blue Luna. one removed. Does Alex, Alex, do you have an Aurora it's, tattoo it's, or a Nia tattoo? It's weird. I, um, I got in there and Novogratz was in there already and I had to go out. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex, which tattoo, do you have any tattoos like a Nia or Aurora tattoo? Uh, or not Aurora not yet. No. Not yet, but, okay. we have, okay. but we have we have the agreement with Ilya. Um, upon reaching a simultaneous reach of near and Aurora specific uh, specific uh, exchange rates, we are going to do the tattoos, both of us, absolutely the same ones, on one shoulder near and another Aurora. Awesome. Well, uh, okay, we know then how to make those tattoos happen. Uh, Please do it. We just call. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so that, that's, that's really hilarious. And uh, the other thing I think, you know, which is there is this whole Web 2 to Web 3 narrative going around and you guys are doing something in that space too, Alex. So tell us more about what you're doing with Web 2. Yeah, so the um, uh, the Aurora Cloud product um, can be, uh, from our point of view, is 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 super oriented on the Web two companies, just because um, around it we have it's not just a an ability to launch your own um, yet another chain, right? But it's also some some additional um, products around it that helps to onboard users, make sure that they are not paying transaction fees and not paying per transaction fees and that the blockchain is super super low level and is not exposed in anything to to the end users right um, and uh, from that standpoint uh, uh, I can give you just one use case of the, of the clients that that we recently closed um, um, and uh, this company is, is going to have uh, to have their own Aurora cloud instance uh, and the idea behind uh, what they are building is, is is pretty simple. They are a traditional company that is working in the green energy sector. They know how to invest and maintain uh, the uh, uh, the solar arrays, right, and uh, um, and also wind turbines. Um, uh, uh, the stats of their operations is that they are able to get around 14 to 16 percent APY uh, directly from operating this um, or, or these facilities and then selling the energy to the grid. Um, uh, so what they would like to do is to democratize this this market. They would like to give an opportunity for uh, for less experienced people to invest in this market from one side, and from the other side, they would like to create uh, an uh, an open energy market when people are able to create um, you know futures on the energy. They they are able to book the capacity and stuff like that. You're actually able to organize the whole DeFi model around it. There were several several projects that. That we're trying to to implement one or another part of, of the whole idea and uh, what they understand is that uh, probably Gary Gensler is going to say that uh, their token is a security so they would like to make sure that uh, the people who are uh, uh, who are performing any actions in in their own with their own token and inside of their own blockchain uh, these are compliant people, right? So they are going through the compliance procedures. And that's why they would like to have their own fenced environment that is fully compliant that, and they are able to, to say that uh, they are following the regulations uh, in the in the country where uh, there are these regulations. This is one of the European countries. And uh, um, yeah, and then, uh, and then they would like to put their all of the ordinary traditional DeFi instruments inside of this uh, inside of this solution. 
Again, super, super simple thing, but uh, uh, it is coming from an ordinary web to business that has an open-minded uh, mm-hmm. uh, founders that, that are looking, uh, looking into the blockchain technology. That's very, very cool. Thank you for that. So the other thing that's happening today is the stablecoin hearing. Uh, you know, as we know, uh, there was a recent draft of the stablecoin bill, which was created uh, sometime after, you know, Terra Luna failed. And I think specifically one of the uh, key things there is that, you know, uh, UST style stablecoins that are purely based on solely, it says, dependent on the value of another crypto asset are, are explicitly forbidden. Uh, then licensing requirements are being created, for, which are probably going to be more stringent for what the bill calls payment stablecoins. Uh, I think there's going to be, you know, I don't know the difference between payment stable coins and trading stable coins because I use this, you know, US Tether and uh, USDC for both. But it's I like think traveler's check, check, mate. It's like traveler's <laughs> checks. <laughs> yeah, and and the and the Costco hot dogs, you know, they're always at one dollar. So yeah, so, so, so I don't know the difference, but I think people are always, you know, trying to create definitions that allow them to play it one way or the other, do some regard. Then I think uh, the other thing is, you know, so Tether is very important to the industry. So uh, it's 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 not clear if it's onshore or offshore by the definition of the bill and what it means. Will Tether have to get licensed? Will they have to kind of, you know, uh, submit various statements for the last several years? What are the licensing requirements? So a lot of that detail will come out. But, you know, if for people who've been around as long as I've been around, uh, Bitcoin was somewhere around 300 odd dollars before Tether was launched. And, you know, now it's just got two zeros at the end of it. I'm not saying it's because of Tether, but Tether is very, very important to market liquidity in crypto. And hopefully, you know, uh, they will cope with the stablecoin legislation well. And, you know, we will continue to see Tether, but stablecoins are sort of the nerve center of the crypto industry. So, you know, and today who is on the uh, so, so, so we have you know Adrian Harris with NYDFS, Dante of Circle, Jake Chervinsky of Blockchain Association. So it's going to be very, very interesting. If the, uh, and I'm looking forward to the live stream. It's around 10 a.m. Uh, Washington DC time. Uh, so you know these days, uh, you know that that's what we are watching, right? Instead of watching football games and stuff, we are watching all this regulatory boomer stuff. But here we are. How did we get here, Russ? I mean. Do, on that note, do we have a rate hike before our next pod? Holy shit. Can you, can you say nice things? I mean, what happened? Are you like cheerful? Rate hikes are great <laughs> for those of us that are sidelined. Well, that, so. UK, that, UK inflation, <laughs> that, that UK inflation number today was, was pretty bad. So, uh, uh, you know, I think, we, I, think next hike, I think the next hike will come at 25 bips. But I'm do not you sure think when. we're going another 25? There seems to be a lot of statement from Fed reps around another 25. The RBA okay. down under here has stopped raising because we don't want to break the houses. So we're yeah. done. We're finished now. We're pausing. Yeah. Australia. Does anyone very, uh, that, that's, a, that's a very nice country. I need to travel, so I will say nice things. Alex, what are your thoughts on where we're going? Are we going, rates going up, rates going down? I think, uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, the old, old problems with rates uh, were, uh, they are just hitting very, very hard to everyone who is holding the long term bonds. And uh, these are the biggest, um, uh, the biggest markets, right? Because in case the rates are going up, then the the short term bonds are going up, right? And uh, um, and uh, from that yeah. standpoint, well, it is just a delayed 
uh, delayed consequence of, of just tons of money printing uh, back I in know. 2020 and, and now they're trying to get it outside of the market right so so yeah they're trying everything that they're able to do in order to in order to cool down the economy because of the yeah. improper moves before and somebody is going to suffer right and i know who's going to suffer it's just an ordinary citizens in yeah. the end uh, one way or another so that's, that's it right. this is so, how the so big so money is working but I mean, I remember ETH was like $150 or something before the printing started, right? So, so I, I was broke and unemployed uh, somewhere around 2019 Q4. So I'm now at least I'm middle class, so I'm not complaining, uh, right? So, uh, but you're right. I think, you know, the, the, the rate, sustained rate hikes, uh, first of all, the money printing was problematic because it created inflation. Now rate hikes are problematic. But here is the good news. Alex, you're in Lisbon, right? You should... Uh, uh, Dubai property is going to go down if rates keep going up. And I'm sidelined from that while Reese is sidelined from Pepe and Wojak. Uh, so, so hopefully, we'll, oh, I've, got, I've got a lot of Pepe. I've got a lot of Pepe. You, a lot of Pepe? Yeah. Uh, you don't miss I love you. Pepe. I love Pepe. There's uh, no exit there, mate. You know that once you're really, you're stuck. I'm happy to be an investor in Pepe. It's really yeah. a 10 year project. You're a long term hotler of yeah. Pepe. It's a 10 year project, Pepe. Anyway, so so uh, this has been a, uh, anything else. Uh, otherwise, Alex, if any, uh, where can we learn more about you and and Aurora uh, and Nier? So you can you can find uh, everything that you need to, to know about Aurora on Aurora.dev. This is the official website of the, Aurora of the public system. Yeah, and uh, if you want, uh, if you want to hear something from me, my my personal opinions on 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 Gary Gensler or or other participants in the ecosystem, um, you are able to follow me in crypto Twitter at Alex Aurora. Well, Alex Aurora Dev, right? So yeah, but but simple. I have to find you. Otherwise, I have to find you on Signal, not Telegram, right? That's uh, that's the other thing. It's better. Telegram is super overcrowded, and uh, Signal is is better. And uh, you know, yeah, and Telegram Telegram is also reporting the information to to all of the yeah. Alex, that's right. Did, Alex, I think you just DM'd me on Telegram and offered me some free Aurora tokens. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there <laughs> are tons of Alexes. Are you sure you don't have Telegram? <laughs> so, no, no. The way this works, the way this works is is if you send Alex one. Aurora, then he sends you two back. <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. <laughs> so, anyways, you know, this has been a this has been a fun conversation. I wish we could carry on, but you know, we are sort of already over time. So, Alex, thank you for joining us. You know, you, I know you're a you're a really busy man. You're building a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I've always been a fan, uh, and you know, so hope to see you again sometime in Lisbon this summer. Uh, and uh, from the Breaking Chains, you know, the, obviously the best crypto podcast. Obviously, you know, without its own token, uh, we would like to sign off and hope to see you again. I thought you were the token, Ajit. Uh, I'm the non-fungible token, but we could probably oh, wow. do our own fungible token at some point. And we could launch it on Aurora, maybe. So you know, we'll see <laughs> if we get a grant, right? <laughs> and an edge, right? And an and an <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you we so much. We need to do a snapshot for this. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. thanks for inviting. Uh, please, everyone, keep safe in this market. Uh, do yeah. wise thanks. decisions. Thanks, Alex. Um, yeah. and see you in the best 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 best